What's good, y'all? It is I Slim Cognito, and uh, I got a lot to tell y'all, bro. Welcome to the Slim Cogcast. Um, first and foremost, y'all know how we do it. We go down and run everything down. I am Slim Cognito. First segment is going to be what I've been watching this past week, and then second segment will be what I've been playing. After that, we will jump into the news articles and things that have been popping this week because apparently... There's all type of different genres crossing over to different genres because right now Riot is announcing fighting games that's still not complete. Dungeon Fighter Online is announcing a full-fledged fighting game by Arc System Works and fucking WB Multiverses fucking Bugs Bunny fighting characters from Game of Thrones and Batman like it's that was not a rumor and it was legit. So here we go. Let's talk about it. Now, first things first, what I've been watching. Man, this past week, um, actually, we, um, you're going to have to join the Discord to find out. But um, we had a good time at a watch party. And we enjoyed us some uh, No Country for Old Men. A Coen Brothers classic. An amazing cinematic piece. Something that... Um, I revisited, but not too often, because I still want it to be fresh to me. I don't want to, you know, analyze it to every little bit, because I still wanted to feel the way it was shot, which is like a a voyeuresque peer into a moment in time, or you know, moments across these three people's lives, and it's amazing in that sense. So, I, as it being one of my favorite movies ever like and we're talking like top five next to matrix and um and and nightcrawler and etc it's very hard for me to as i've gotten older i i come to appreciate the fact that i get into some things late and i've watched old country for no country for old men um when i was younger but i didn't get it and i didn't sit down and watch it myself until maybe like about a little over or under 10 years ago and it's become my favorite movie since and i can't get enough of it now for those who haven't seen no country for old men this is an old ass movie and when i say old ass i mean it came out in like the early aughts like 2000 and something but um if you haven't seen it i i guess you can't really just you can spoil it but it's a great roller coaster ride that I wouldn't want to spoil it for you, which is a shame because it's an old movie and I kind of want to talk about it. But let's just keep it at the fact that um, what you expect to happen, what you hope to happen in that movie doesn't. And I love that. And I feel like it's a masterclass in how to subvert expectations in your writing. Especially since um, it does so much work to set up a certain type of, um, I guess you could say, expectation of certain tropes with how everything leads and goes about. So yeah, just take your time and uh, sit down and watch that movie and uh, really pay attention. Turn on the subtitles if you must. But it's a, it's an amazing performance from Tommy Lee Jones and everyone else involved. It's an astounding performance. It, I can't get enough of how good the acting is, especially the scene where the sheriffs first arrive on the crime scene to take a look at what happened on the horses. And it's powerful. 
especially the monologue at the beginning and end of the movies i guess you could call it monologues not sure i guess uh short solo readings and it's, it's it's just amazing it's just astounding it's such a good commentary on the more the the futility the, the futility yet necessity of morality it's so it's such a heart-wrenching story when you really dig deep and i want y'all to experience that so no country for old men is still a 10 out of 10 oh my lord and if you are of any uh, shape, form, or fashion uh, critical of human and mankind, um, this might be the movie for you. Now, next thing is around right now is when I tell you what we've been playing. And boy, let me let me go ahead and help y'all. What we've been playing? Let me see. This week was um, the second week of the return, so to speak. And uh, since we've been back, we've been on No More Heroes. And we've run through No More Heroes 1 and 2 this past week, which were amazing. Um, there's no promises, but I am in the midst of uh, working toward getting a hold of No More Heroes 3. We'll see how that turns out. But for the time being, um, yeah, I gotta say, man, No More Heroes PC version, the first game, fine, flawless, perfect, great game. The port for the second game has many bugs and issues. One being game breaking. Now, literal game breaking is what I mean, but I'll get there. First thing is there is a beam katana that you can purchase from the very well endowed Naomi. And um, there were complications with purchasing it because you would buy it, have it, and it would still be available for purchase. And the game would just eat your money if you purchase it again. And. It just sits there up until a certain point in the game when you get an upgraded or a better sword from the story in the plot and suddenly it's no longer available and sold out even though you've had the whole katana since it was first revealed so it's like that's a problem and another thing that's an issue is that the game had crashes like crazy like it would not stay stable for anything i don't know what to call it but i'll just i just had to say it's bullshit at early in the morning is that's really just what it is i we you've witnessed it if you've seen the vods the vods are still present over on the twitch channel at slim cognito entertainment and boy let me tell you it would crash at the slightest inconvenience for stupid shit that i was doing like oh my god and there's another complication um which was always even in the original um, what was it? The number seven fight, I think, with uh, some samurai dude on a on a motorcycle, and the motorcycle controls were so ass. Oh, it was so bad. Oh, it was so bad. I'll I'll never forget that it was also bad on the Wii as well. So I'll give that a pass. But if only it, it was the controls from the first game, it would have been fine. But it was supposed to be some type of joust game or whatever. And the only reason I passed that section is because I tricked the AI to run himself off of the cliff. Screw that shit. But anyway. Still, the game itself is uh, great. Um, I don't... It's, it's going to be debatable if you speak to someone else about the final boss fight. Um, in my memory, I remember it being a terrible final boss. Which it kind of does compared to all the other cooler bosses that came before it. Like, it was so... 
unsatisfying. Every other boss before it was like unique and fucking cool as hell or anime as shit. And then you get to the final boss and it's a literal joke. It's just a literal joke and a punching bag, so to speak. So yeah, I um, I still enjoyed it though. It was still fun to play. It was so fun to play that you get into that state and you're just not saying shit, you're just attacking. Because those games demand your full attention. And you need to be react, you know, be able to react at uh, certain windows, which are which is my preferred genre of games, honestly. But uh, yeah, now that we've gone through No More Heroes one and two, and Travis Touchdown Adventure is a uh, postponed, we're gonna dive into Resident Evil Chris campaign, and we'll be starting that come Tuesday. Y'all be there or be mm, octagonal. I just had to say that because I didn't want to be cliche. Anyway, the fucking adventure continues. And it's going to be great. Um, RE Remake, still my first time going through it. We already did the Geo campaign. And I told y'all before once uh, once that uh, the Geo campaign, um, I didn't know that Geo was easier than Chris, for one. And also that um, when I was deciding, when I started, I did mountain climbing difficulty. And I could not get past like the first 10 minutes of the game. So to avoid like, you know what I'm saying, pissing off or, or, or like like ruining the stream experience so I can make some progress, I went over the uh, hitchhiking uh, difficulty. And the issue is hitchhiking was too easy while, yeah, hitchhiking was, too e was a little on the easy side, but playable. While mountain climbing was a little too hard. But at the same time, um, I gotta be honest with you. I'm gonna be completely honest. The redheads are dope. It's a real cool feature, but I fucking hate the kerosene mechanic. I I just can't. I just can't. I, I feel like it could have been way more manageable, but uh, I understand what they were going for. Um, so it works. Maybe the reason it, the the reason that it was intended to be designed for. Is what's for is what frustrates me, and I feel like it added some extra anxiety on me. But um, I think we can do better on a on a second time around. We'll have to see. We may not even man. I'm thinking the strategy is not to kill a single zombie unless I want to clear a certain hallway. Because holy shit, I've come to find out that Chris has more health but less inventory space. So there's that, and um. In that same breath, I found out that Jill has less health, but more inventory space. And that's the reason why mountain climbing was such a hard difficulty for me on my first playthrough. Because Jill literally dies in like one or two bites. And I wasn't good enough to be able to juke all those uh, zombies. So yeah, um, should be like that. But anyway... Other than that, can't wait to jump in on that, and uh, I'll see y'all there if you choose to stop by. It would be nice. Next thing that I want to go ahead and uh, get out of the way is that um, we're going to be looking at how things go for Thursday. I want to wish everybody this coming week a happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy your family, or not, you know what I mean? It's uh, up to y'all. I don't know what your families are like. And um, hopefully uh, we can celebrate it for you know positive reasons and let's not focus on too much of a bad truth let's uh 
<laughs> focus on <laughs> focus on the fact that it's uh, when the fam get together, you know. So, and if you don't have family, then I do wish you a happy Thanksgiving. I hope that y'all have a great holiday. Enjoy yourselves. The fall is upon us. It's getting colder, and I wish the best for y'all. Well, now with all this happy shit out of the way, let's get into the news. Because number one thing is that Battlefield 2042 has 74% negative user reviews on Steam. According to Guru3D.com, said that the majority of the issues is like all of the features that you would expect from Battlefield has been stripped out and boiled down. And I'm I'm feeling like like is this an official release? Holy shit. I thought this would have been like a beta or something when I was looking into this. Because I wasn't following it close enough. But damn, this is unfinished. A lot of people, some of the reviews as follows, with 58 hours on record. Good thing they delayed the release to make sure they delivered a finished game. What a joke. 13.6 hours on record playing the game no single-player mode no server browser no general no no general team or player scoreboard only your own squad is shown no general chat only team squad and party no VoIP no TDM free-for-all and for those that don't know uh, team deathmatch I'm bad with acronyms so I'm just gonna let some people out there know um free for all no leaning or peeking out while in cover no score bonuses for headshots multi kills or hit based damage xp gain no persistent lobbies back to the main menu after every match no ammo pickups off dead enemies players kits only like it's the list goes on and um it sounds pretty bad, but at the same time, I'm wondering what they were going for. Since this is a full release, I kind of imagine Battlefield to be like a bit more of a um, serious, more tactical uh, COD. But uh, at the same time, stripping all these features feel like they were trying to go for a more rustic, realistic uh, angle. Kind of like uh, Escape from Cart of uh, Cart. Tarkov, but uh, on the battlefield uh, angle. But um, they've developed a fan base at this point, so they probably have to keep it consistent with what they want. <sighs> It'll start new and build a new one, but I don't think that'll be wise. <sighs> so, excuse me, I needed water bad. Anyway, um,. Can y'all tell I just woke up and uh, was sleeping under the fan? I can. Next thing on the docket, DNF Duel. So Dungeon Fighter Online, which was basically just a 2D Dungeon Fighter that uh, had combos and uh, skill-based combo, um, you know, MMORPG uh, aspects. Well, now they have gone to Arc System Works and they're making a fighting game and it's full-fledged and beautiful looking and goddamn. I gotta say, I'm a little jelly. I'm a little jelly. These games, this, this don't deserve to be this damn beautiful, but it is. And um, I'm happy for anybody that's in the DFO that uh, also likes fighting games. And people who likes fighting games and probably never played DFO, um, I don't think it'll actually make them go play DFO. Maybe some people, but this looks amazing. And uh, 
it's gonna capture a whole nother like audience so that's always good to be honest with you anywho's gamerant.com league of legends project l fighting game is still a long ways from release basically we got some screenshots of project l you get to see exactly what it's coming to be um basically the question is um I don't exactly know details of how I will play, but I am very interested. I want to see what's going, what's this going to become. Um, given that I've been playing and following League of Legends since like 2000 and what, 11, 12, something like that. So yeah, um, still following, but uh, they're just saying that it's a long way from release. There's not much here in this article, but there's just uh, some screenshots that were revealed. Uh, a mix the hype and trending news of the new arcane series that's been going around so you know for those who are big into the league of legends the arcane series <laughs> excuse me holy shit the, the arcane series has been lighting up all over the internet apparently it's actually pretty good and well animated so um of course me being a fan of the arts i will have to check it out especially since i love i'm a good fan of some cg animation so yeah it's meant to be seen I'm gonna go see it maybe one day down the line first things first will will we'll, twitch is a stepping stone because one thing I'll share with you guys ain't a whole lot of y'all listening to the podcast so I'll tell you this little dream eventually I will I want to have the freedom to venture into other things that I am passionate about whether it's creating music doing cinematography or CG animation all these things take time to hone these professions and for right now we're doing what we got to get what we need in terms of our current interests but down the line I can I can see it now because even even as I'm doing twitch I didn't realize twitch uh, streaming would have so much to learn and master within it and I like that that's what's keeping me going that's why i'm like pacing myself with you know all of my mastery of obs studio and etc so i'm i'm taking my time with it because that's the most i find that to be the most rewarding and most fun creative part of it which is literally doing what i want and and showing how i wanted to show up that all of that being said though if not for Twitch, this is the most creativity I've been able to express in almost forever. Like, I haven't been able to be this creatively free in anything else I've done because everything else I've done has been like to a service or, you know, financial gain. So it's always just give the customer what they want and not do what you want or express yourself in this artistic form. So I'm getting more into my creative side that um, is really, 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 really flourishing at an alarming rate. <laughs> and um, it's making me want to um, eventually, you know, set some goals in the long run to actually learn how to do these things. Things that um, I should have learned how to do earlier in life, but we don't want to look back. It's not necessary and it won't, you know, help us in the right now and would most likely hinder in the tomorrow. So right now i'm setting plans in the future to eventually learn how to do those things and hopefully i can bring y'all with me it's gonna be dope can't wait 
Anywho's next thing on the docket. Um, speaking of oh shit, wait, I don't have this on the docket. But there's a side note um, that's been going on lately. All of Twitch would not be possible without the devs of OBS Studio, the superior streaming software, I might add. And I knew it was superior software since I started because I was told they said, well, you could basically stream with two things, two main things everybody uses, which is OBS Studios and Streamlabs OBS. And I was like, what's the difference? And I found out, or I was told, that um, the difference being that OBS Studio, if you have the know-how, you have way more freedom in its design. And I was like, hmm, you don't say. And they say, yeah, but it's not as user-friendly. I was like, well, I've been using software for decades. I'm fine. I can learn this shit. And lo and behold, I did. But um, over time... I eventually tried Streamlabs OBS because I was having some complication out of OBS thinking that it was OBS itself but it wasn't until I eventually found out just how limited Streamlabs OBS is. It literally is so limited it don't let you do damn near shit that OBS Studio can let you do boy. Like the stuff that I've been doing with the spectralizer I had the um the, the visual um the audio visualizer on my um on my stream like two different kinds and the whole trend the the custom transitions and all this other stuff like it's so sick and there's more things to come more uh you know little tidbits and things that we can add in the future that's gonna be great it's gonna be so 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 great and i want i want to bring y'all with me but um the changes that will come will come eventually right now we've drastically overhauled the entire look of the stream in the past uh few weeks and i'll probably keep it kind of consistent for the time being i'm not gonna change it too much but uh yeah it's looking good i'm proud i'm happy and uh yeah with all that said apparently there's been recent news about obs and obs is free open source software f-o-s-s and that is um a common enough thing with the internet because it means people take it upon themselves to develop very good very needed and essential software for the people while only asking for donations and whatnot you know what i mean and the thing about these donations is that they fuel so much good things this is how people develop emulators this is how people develop you know um free open source alternatives to overpriced software that they used to price gouge people with and that's why no one directly supports adobe because they are price gouging people at an alarming amount like an astounding amount especially considering they would live in the age of content creation and digital media it's astounding how much that shit costs there's even um there's free open source software for almost everything out there and if you want to know you just gotta look it up one good example that i'm gonna give you is that um i don't i won't tell you everything because you have to find it yourself but um photoshop and uh, Microsoft Office. You don't need these softwares. That's all I'm gonna say. There are alternatives. What they are, you're gonna have to find for yourself or maybe ask me in Discord and I will help you with that. But um, 
yeah those who know it's become common knowledge and those who don't know well they're keeping the company afloat i guess anyway moving on next thing um to mention is just that um obs studio made everything free open source for everybody and then streamlabs obs decided to take their software mod it and patent the name obs and just called their streamlabs obs and trademarked it that's the most asshole move ever and it's now one of the more popular streaming uh, softwares simply because it's easy to use for everybody to just sit down press the button to go live and move on but they also tricked a lot of people into signing up for a monthly subscription or yearly subscription or something and it's trash as soon as i saw that subscription shit i, I backed out uninstalled it i don't even think do i even have this shit installed still because if so i'm gonna install it now i do i think i do yeah i don't like this shit <laughs> but um yeah, I, I literally just installed uninstalled it but yeah, um, the whole point about um, Streamlabs OBS is not only is it limiting, but also I, I held on to it just for like backup, you know, just a just in case type of thing. But OBS is where it's at. OBS Studio is where it's at, bro. And if anybody tell you otherwise, they trolling you. So just, just, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. Just dive in and learn bit by bit and you'll be thankful for the knowledge that you gained on streamlabs obs you'll be able to do more especially if you are the type that loves to create and wants things to be exactly how you want it or as close as you could envision it in your mind but uh, to sum things up about this is uh and it's kind of a big deal uh with all this premises the reason i had to get this is um now that uh, things have come to light and the OBS has had to, they tried to stay quiet about it to uh, get Streamlabs to correct themselves, but uh, now they had to, um, you know, make it known publicly because they're free software. So, of course, it's not like they could just, you know, just outright trademark it and all this other stuff and, you know, start monetizations and things. Because once you put things through, like, um, you know, government official documentation etc and filing documentation for all these things it has to be funded from that moment on in the business in order to keep it afloat because those documentations cost money and filing these documents cost money etc 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 so that means eventually they would have to charge those users obs is free they don't charge anybody you can openly donate and really everybody should donate and i'm going to eventually do so myself but the thing is right now this is literally a corporate dog of set of people literally bullying or strong arming a person out of their shit and honestly i don't like it i don't i don't use anything that streamlabs um you know does or makes on a regular basis aside from their website and the chat bot and honestly 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 oh and they uh, and the notifications you know what i mean on their website you know i just use it to uh do the um the follow and um you know follow subscriber gift sub etc notifications and that's what they're for that's what they're for that's what they're for and that's the only thing that works for me the chat bot debatable because it's something about that timer i need to adjust but anyway enough about stream stuff basically it's just blowing up all over the internet since the truth has come out and the stream labs is trash and it had to be some it 
clearly a lot of people have been falling for it if they were able to afford the face of Pokemon and others on the front of their platform. So let's move on. Right now over on Nintendo Life, Rockstar has released its first update for the Grand Theft Auto Trilogy. The update came with some fixes, one of the things being like language changes that do not stay consistent when you reboot the game on the Switch. But also uh, some patches have been released to fix like some graphical issues with the rain and whatnot. But um, I don't think enough patches is going to fix this mess. Uh, and the mess being the reception of the game rather than the game itself. I think the damage is already done. And uh, if anybody who was going to buy that trilogy, they've already bought it. And if anybody wanted that trilogy and didn't, you're not going to win them over with a patch. Next thing on the docket, Platinum Games director Hideki Kamiya, my baby, apologizes to Microsoft for scale-bound cancellation. We weren't experienced enough. In detail, he just goes into how he wanted it to be an online experience with combat seamlessly with one another and that they were coming across some issues and uh, a lot of hurdles in development which was which is understandable because most of the time in game development or anything you want somebody that has experience in it experience in anything is always more valuable than any certification paper document whatever on this earth it's just plain and simple we just getting back to fundamentals like nine times out of ten I would rather hire a person that does not have a college education but heavily experienced in working on cars or whatever than to hire someone who has degree but only knows how to work with the best equipment or to repair like someone with a degree and they're supposed to repair my computer and whatnot but they only know how to work with top shelf things and and macbooks and etc so it's like new 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 experience is everything and it was one of the things that they uh basically bit off more than they could chew with their games project when they tried to uh, you know expand upon it and it's understandable and i still am an advocate to say that it's better that they canceled the game rather than try to force a you know a janky product because the gameplay wasn't that promising once we took a look at it and it was hard for them to really get through that so I like to see that humility that they were able to admit that it was something that they bit off too much that they could not chew next thing on the docket and it's the most and and, and this is one of the best things I've read this week GamesIndustry.biz, Phil Spencer evaluating Xbox relationship with Activision Blizzard following Kotick allegations. Microsoft's gaming leadership disturbed and deeply troubled by claims against Call of Duty publisher CEO, which for those who don't know, there was an article not too long ago that claimed that Bobby Kotick, head of uh, Activision, which eventually became Activision Blizzard CEO, um, gave examples of his own toxic behavior in the workplace and has been aware of sexual misconduct within it for years. And he's just been turning a blind eye to it, so to speak. Alleged, you know, according to what the article is saying, that last part was just me, you know, my, my surmise of it. But yeah, evaluating all aspects of our relationship with Activision Blizzard and making ongoing proactive adjustments, Spencer said. And this caused um, 
Spencer to um, Phil Spencer being the head of Xbox and Microsoft um, he basically took it as a call to action for other huge companies to make sure that they do a better job because this is astoundingly atrocious it's like Bobby Bobby Kotick being head of Activision years and years it's been published and shown that this guy is overpaid and keeps taking huge bonuses while it was some people reporting that they weren't getting paid enough at all Jeff the lead uh, designer and um, director for Overwatch he saw the writing on the wall and he left that company almost immediately he was gone before all of this stuff started to pop up and it's just burning and I bet he's sipping him a glass of whatever his favorite drink is and just laughing just laughing imagine that you leave your job and then everything at that job start burning down son it's astounding and I, I I'm not surprised but basically the whole um in and out of this article is basically Phil Spencer speaking out saying to everyone in within uh, Microsoft Xbox and you know basically to the world that um, they're gonna be doing better and they're not gonna go down this road or let anything like this happen you know which is you know a good thing to bring to attention which at the same time Phil Spencer's been knocking it out of the park because not only Xbox been going hard all fucking week okay they stealth released Halo Infinite and just dropped it on everybody to celebrate um you know Microsoft Day or whatever uh, Xbox Day then they turned around and announced a whole bunch of other stuff like it's it's anniversary stuff for Halo coming it's all type of crazy it's it's crazy Phil Spencer gets in the news and says that um, he is an advocate for game preservation whether it's via emulation or what other means what have you but he is basically a number one advocate for the first um, CEO of the big three that says that he is an advocate for emulation and I respect that so deeply I really do love Microsoft in the coming years because they're the Xbox Series S and X natively support you as a person to be able to develop your own indie games for that console and to run it on that console and you get to make your own homebrew being emulators and run it on that console it's insane and you can just basically do this with little to no extra effort you know or not the usual amount of effort necessary um in order to like you know jailbreak you don't have to jailbreak it it's literally a feature and that's amazing if if not almost unheard of so i, I gotta give him credit for that and not only is he speaking out openly saying that emulation is a great tool to preserve older games because he's the first one to admit that these older games sometimes not every game can get a remaster or a remake especially when it comes to copyright laws and things like that and business deals and temporary um, trademark deals and all these other things so think about it I don't think it's appreciated enough to understand just how much it would take to bring back the library of these older games 
But if you make a good emulator and build it into the operating system of your console, then anybody with these older game discs can just pop it in and play these older games. That being said, it's also important to preserve these games beyond just backward compatibility. These games need to be downloadable and playable for people because a lot of games now have been going the direction of games as a service and the release date turnaround live release and death of a game turns around so fast that it's okay here's an example that i'm giving you when we were growing up ugh, back in my day back in my day when we were growing up we were able to enjoy older games with our parents just by enjoying it and playing it on that console so if you if i came up in the snes era i could literally we were able to and we did go to a pawn shop and get an nes for cheap and i was able to experience those games that my mother and others used to love playing in their teens and younger days so it was a direct line of comparison from super mario brothers to super mario world and then from there to 64 but that was all within two generations whereas now these game the console life is long now but the game lives are way shorter a game releases and it only takes a month or two for people to get over it unless it's game of the year AAA material or super viral indie material so it's hard to say if you can really enjoy these things across generations or even say you can keep up with these games these days and imagine if a person say go on you know life a different life choices and they can't exactly game for like a few years or even game that heavily and they want to go back and play like the ps3 library because that was the console they missed out on because they weren't able to afford it at the time but they really did love the library and a lot of games that they grew up looking at the commercials and loving to play them now they can't it, how are you going to be able to get a hold of these things without shelling out ridiculous prices on ebay for one copy of a game so you know that's one of the biggest reasons for emulations because the biggest you know gate that's locking us out of playing these classic games would be unaffordability through ebay scalpers and uh, resellers and discontinued consoles with stupid designs with CMOS batteries so you get the idea this is why emulation has to exist there are amazing games to this day that a lot of developers need to go back and play because there's somebody out there that has the means and the will to make the next best game of the year game but they haven't studied enough classics or played enough classics to know what's work what works and work what doesn't you know what's expected of a, a genre and what isn't and basically you have to know what the norm is to be able to reinvent or innovate and you can't innovate without a base you have to know what it is we would not have the hack and slash genre like god of war devil mccry etc if it did not build off of the arcadey design of beat-em-up games you know and it goes on and on from there so 
consider these things when you're developing games because they're very important and the history of gaming is just as important especially to those who have enjoyed a classic and is no longer playable and i'm sure this rings true for a lot of people because the fact that there are games being taken down or soundtracks being removed and things like that that are ruining the tone and the original image of the game that is a problem it's a huge problem it's fifteen thousand problems in one like we have to preserve these games anyway enough of me ranting about that i'm just a huge advocate for preservation we need that next thing over on nintendolife.com nintendo's american branch didn't like the idea of gamecube being purple basically um to sum everything up in this article uh the nintendo of america didn't think that they'd be able to really sell the gamecube with a big purple color on it purple and black color scheme because every other console at the time was black xbox black and green playstation black and blue and they felt they had to compete with these people but uh, nintendo's thing was always to be the outlier because when two people are battling on the same ground there's no use in joining in and trying to battle with them you might as well just stand out and be different at that point and it worked in spades it was a great idea and it works very well not only in um you know other aspects but uh in business in this aspect because um me coming up you know my mother's the one who got me into gaming and uh her main thing was to make sure that i was on nintendo starting out because uh the other game consoles were uh, pretty violent but uh it took uh you know some masculine influence for me to get into my playstation and i loved it it uh was an amazing thing for me and since then it's been different me going from Nintendo to PlayStation, which arguably back then older Nintendo had more difficult games, more fair, challenging games with a di with with real difficulty to them and great difficulty progression. Whereas once I got to PlayStation, everything was like disjointed, stilted, un they, nothing was figured out. It was all like a Wild West and brand new but that was the charm of it because every game that you could pop into your playstation and your playstation 2 was a completely new and different experience right down to the control scheme and the button layout so that was a charm to it but yeah uh safe to say that um i do like the fact that color is becoming cool once again and um you know shame for those that are out there uh what, what what's it was it d brand that made the different uh, casings, the, the casing plates for the PS5, but then they got told to uh, cease and desist um, because the all-black PS5 is the sexiest thing ever, and it makes it look less like a goddamn, I don't know, an AI interface or a Lexus Model 5.0, you know what I mean? It, it, it just looks so much sleeker. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, colors is amazing. One of my favorite handhelds was my Teal Game Boy Color. That's dope. I actually want to know what was y'all favorite um favorite console in, in terms of aesthetic like the way it looks just visually and its design because the gamecube was a beautifully made console it was compact they had the handle right on the back and for some reason it wasn't ugly and and the logo was just perfectly made thanks to that being um brought to my attention but anyway last thing on the docket techspot.com and the wb smash brother style game called multiverses and um we've seen characters in the trailer you can check out the trailer i'm sure you could find it easily on youtube but uh it is real 
this is confirmed and apparently it's gonna have um, Steven Universe Wonder Woman in the Justice League the main Justice League 3 uh, Batman Superman Wonder Woman um, Bugs Bunny and many other characters like Harley Quinn and um, Finn and Jake from Adventure Time etc uh, Tom and Jerry and for some reason Game of Thrones and uh, Shaggy from Scooby-Doo so yeah there's like a huge pot of things the article even mentions that there may be a cameo of Sub-Zero or Scorpion from the Mortal Kombat series since uh, WB owns NetherRealm Studios but um, yeah that's what we got I don't I don't know how to put a definitive opinion on this game because it's doing some things differently and it's free to play and I'm not a hundred percent comfortable but there is voice acting and it sounds great which is the biggest thing that was missing from Nicktoons um, another problem that I had with Nicktoons is that the character models I feel like it could have gone more in the accurate direction rather than cutesy Danny Phantom looks like a fucking joke and it's an ugly ass character model and I fucking hate it me being a Danny Phantom fan um, and multiverses has some pretty good character models like i'm not mad at it you know it could use a little polish you know what i mean i i don't i never really like the cell shade that doesn't have the outline with it like a definitive outline take a look at the naruto ultimate ninja storm games and you would see how it's supposed to look because i want my cartoon to be brought to life in video game form not just have it look like a clay model or a toy you know what i mean covered in oil but anywho's um aside from all of that uh, we'll just have to see um how it turns out but in all in all phil spencer being a chad he's spoken out against nfts and games he has spoken out about emulation being important to gaming and he has also spoken out about bobby kotick and blizzard activision being trash activision blizzard whichever one it is it's 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 the guy is he don't miss he ain't missing lately and Microsoft been making big good moves the Bethesda acquisition the whole fucking um um, um what was it the uh, Xbox game pass like they just been killing it I gotta give respect to Microsoft it's been their year and it's constantly going Halo's fun and if you want to join in from here on out the official announcement the first half of the streams will be dedicated to first-person shooters and or other multiplayer games. You know, down the line, we'll see. But um, first half is always dedicated to some multiplayer. And if y'all want to get in on that, that'd be dope. So let me know. Lobbies are always open. Whether it's Apex, Overwatch, uh, Rainbow Six, which I haven't played much but am willing to get into. and um, Or Valorant or whatever, just just let me know just let me know and the first half of that will be dedicated to that other than that y'all enjoy have a good time enjoy your holiday i will see y'all next monday this is a longer podcast probably the longest one we had in a good while we hadn't gone up to uh, almost an hour in a good while but yeah um like i said y'all stay safe out there love peace and hand grease always remember the channel motto and tips are the most important actions ain't nothing but of words i mean the damn thing don't forget to check out the Twitter at Slimcognito Mode and the stream Slimcognito Entertainment as well as the YouTube same name, Slimcognito Entertainment. And I am out, y'all. Um, 
if you want to join us for some watch parties in the discord or you want to join us for a stream you know how to find me take care once again and peace